I played football too. So my sophomore year, um, I was nose guard. So like right in front of the ball, for those of you that know football, um, quarterback snap, and then I caught a good sack on him. And I was on him all game. Like I was on him all game. And I remember hearing somebody from the stand like, yo, like whose kid is that? Who, 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 whose kid is number 68? This, is, this hit home. Then I remember, because not basketball, football. Like, yo, whose kid is that? Quiet. You know, you know how it is. Like, I, yeah. nobody was out there. Like, I, didn't, I never told my siblings to come. It was just like, yo, everybody was busy, and I was doing my thing. I had my friends, so I said, I need it. So it got quiet, and everybody looking around, and then somebody get up, and like, yeah, that's my To another edition of Talk That Talk podcast, the home of the podcast where watched the athletes and current athletes get to take a walk down memory lane and tell us how sports has helped impact their careers. Today, we got a special guest in the building, um, somebody that's crafty with words. He's an educator, you know, and um, he's just really helping withhold the light and uh, within the board of education system in the Bronx, uh, Rashawn Brown. How you doing, bro? You, what's up, buddy? Um, Gucci, good, good right now. Yeah, how you? I'm good, man, I'm good. So we gonna start here. Are you a watch the ball player? Or do you still got game? Nah, I still got it, bro. Still <laughs> got it. Still definitely still got it. All right, we're gonna start right here. We got King of the Court. I'm gonna give you three matchups. And real quick, I just want you to tell me why this person will win. All right? Mm -hmm. got Magic versus LeBron. You said Magic versus LeBron? Yeah. Tough. That's tough. Um, I'm not gonna front. It's it's gonna be I'm a little biased because I, I, told, I, I said I wasn't going to do this, but when it comes to LeBron, I think he's a little overrated, even though that's a crazy statement to say. So I'm going to go Magic just because from, from what I've seen, I feel like if it's king of the court, it'll be easy for him to get around. That's what I feel like because of his size and he's crafty. He's a little crafty than LeBron. Um, but I think if Magic starts first, he, he'll be good. If not, then it might be LeBron. That's my take, though. So you got Magic? I'm going Magic. Okay. Kobe versus T-Mac. Oh, Kobe, without a doubt. <laughs> without a doubt. You, you already, I'm big, I'm big Kobe, so. Oh, listen, we're going to touch that. I already know. Yeah, yeah, I'm big on Kobe. Um, But yeah, definitely Kobe. All right, AI versus Steve Francis. Ooh, I'm going AI. Okay. AI. That's my Steve Francis pick. used to get busy, though. He did. He did. AI going to work. Group on AI. Come on, you got to go AI for that one. That's a fact. So you know, you played ball at um, Mount Saint Michael while you were in high school. Uh, you played for three years. Um, walk me through your favorite career. You know, moment while you were in high school when you were playing ball. Um, I can give you two. I'll say two favorites, even though the first one is a bad one. So. You know, I came out of eighth grade. I was playing ball in my middle school. Uh, you know, MVP, all league. You know, so I'm, I'm in. I'm in high school now. I'm thinking I'm about to just come in and you know run the run the game, run the court. And I actually didn't make it my first year. So my cut. first year, yeah, I got cut. Crazy too. Like I thought. You know, I mean, I did what I did, and the coach picked who he picked, whatever. So it was funny because when I got cut, I was so ball his life. I remember asking my mom, like, yo, I got to transfer schools. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yo, huh? I got to play. Yo, I was like, yo, I got it. Like, I'm like, yo, everybody is waiting on me to make the team. And 
you know, I, I, I actually got cut and it was crazy. You know, it was tough for me because I've never been on that, like, yo, you're not good enough. So I'm telling her, like, yo, I got to switch schools. And she's like, yo, you're crazy. Like, I'm not about to take you out of this, this good school, like, just to go play basketball. So um, my, that, that kind of turns me into my favorite. So now my sophomore year, I was so energized and just, like, so angry and just so, like, ready to play. So, like, that tryout for my sophomore year, I remember I went mad hard, like, really just trying to prove to everybody, like, yo, I, I should have been on the team freshman year. And now y'all gonna know, like, I don't care who we care, like, I don't care who, if y'all already have your team, like, I just want to be on the team, and, you know, I did my thing, so, Mm -hmm. exactly, so I'm like, yo, I'm gonna solidify this, and, like, I don't care, nobody say, like, I'm starting, like, y'all gonna see it, uh, um, so for me, that was, like, a big turning point, because I went from, like, yo, I gotta leave, and I was able to turn that, all that animosity to, you know, fuel to, for me to make that next year's team, so that was big for me, like, that, that sophomore year was very big. Uh, tell me about your best and your worst game. I mean, your best and worst asset to your game in high school. Okay. Um, I want to say that I wasn't the best on-the-clock player. And for people that play ball, like yourself, like, they'll know what that means. So recreational ball in the gym, at the park, like, I'm your guy. Like, I can compete. I'm on it. I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm doing everything I need to do. But on the clock, for some reason, I never played to my full potential. And it was over a few things. Like I would be nervous. Um, I would psych myself out of it. You know, you miss a shot and you know, it's like, yo, I missed the shot. I got to let it go. Mm-hmm. It would just get in my head. Like, damn, I missed a shot. Like they, I miss a shot. They take a fast break and now they scored. It's like, damn, you know, I just gave them two points. So I would always you, you play ball. Point. You can't do that. You can't you miss can't the do shot. It. You can't not get back. You can't. you can't. So for me, it's like, damn, like it was killing me and it was a killer for me. So I struggled with that all through high school, really. Um, but when I was on the team, my biggest my biggest asset to it was like being the leader, like holding my team down, not only on the court but off the court. Like you know, high school, I was very mature for my age. I feel like so, even when we went on road trips or like when we had tournaments, like coach would pull me to the side, like yo, listen, um, you know, I need you to get the team to be focused up. Even when I was starting, when I wasn't starting, like I always took that role of like that captain mentality to be like, yo, we gotta focus up, like enough playing around. We need to be um, in bed at a certain time during tournaments. And just, like, you know, just, just having that, like, leadership mindset, especially in practice, pushing pushing everybody, um, defending whatever, whatever, whatever the team needed in terms of that, like, you know, we come to practice and bros are kind of like, yo, we just going to go through the motions. Like, nah, I was on it 24-7. Like, you could ask any of my teammates, like, hard work, dedication. <laughs> I used to really yell at during practice. Um <laughs> And it was funny because, like, I was always so extreme during practice. Like, my Tell me what level. extreme is. Explain to me what extreme is. So, like, I'm talking about yelling, punching walls, and, like, getting <laughs> people's face. Like, everything you needed. Like, I was there with it, talking smack. Um, even on the court, like, not backing down from anybody, letting them know, like, yo, he's a good prospect. Like, yo, he's averaging 20-plus, whatever it is. But now we're going to go out there and do our thing. Like, we're going to get our boards. We're gonna make free throws. We're gonna make shots. We're gonna make the tough ones. So it was a little bit on and off the court. Um, but I, as much as the court I had, I, I, I preferred highlighting my off the court because I think that that transitioned me well, just in life, regularly, like just naturally. Yeah, we're definitely gonna to touch on that real soon. But um, a lot of people that speak highly of you, first thing I hear is leadership. So it's it's crazy that you say that. Not crazy, but that. It's authentic. It's true. Yeah. You no, know, and I think that's that's a big part because 
when you learn how to be a part of the team, regardless of what your position is, you're, you're always going, there's always going to be a slot where you've got to be a leader. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I, that definitely obviously helps you now as you, you know, transition to being an educator as well. So I would say that that's, that's real dope. What were your favorite ball kicks to rock when you were playing ball? Oh, favorite ball kicks. Um, my favorite ball kick ever were the Kobe Milk Snakes. I don't remember the number, but it was like the white sole, right. red, low tops. It was like, um, it had like that milk, the, the, like that snake skin um, cover over. That was it for me. Like that was my favorite. And it's funny because I had ankle problems throughout my whole career. Mm. But I love playing with those Kobe's. Okay. <laughs> I could never get with the low. It never felt safe for me. It, it, it didn't, but I felt so crafty, like, in them because they were, like, so light. I think they were, like, it came out like, yo, these are one of the lightest sneakers ever or something like that. Kobe um, was one of the ones that really started that trend. Exactly. And I, it's funny. I never wore the ankle brace. I was just like, yo, I'm going to just double up on the socks and we're going to make it work. Um, but if not, those, definitely the hyperdunks. The hyperdunks, it used to be like the yearly hyperdunks, like the 20, 2010, 2011. Like, I used to get like a crazy, I had like this, um, this bright orange color. So I always wore like the brightest sneakers when I was in high school. <laughs> what were the color on um, the school colors for St. Michael? Um, it was uh, yellow and yellow and blue, so like gold and blue. You know how they do, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So, usually, when um, you know, when it comes to the basketball games, you have a lot of parents at it in the crowd going crazy you know you got the one parent that's willing to run onto the court and mm-hmm. risk it all for their their child you know um when you were growing up explain to me you know the impact in maybe the absence of like what your father how that role really affected you you know because you know sometimes for kids just having their father or their mother in the crowd that's just all the confidence they need so right now for me um how the absence of your father really affected you? I would say it started like middle school, really, because I played, first time I picked up a ball and like really played organized basketball was like in uh, fifth grade. And I don't know what it was to be honest, but when I think back, like as you're asking that question and I think back to it, I don't even think like it phased me at the time. Like I really thought about it because I was so, I don't know. I think my mother did a great job, obviously, of raising me and you know, being, single, being a single parent. Um, but like, you know, I knew she was busy. You know, like simple cut, like father not being there, um, living home with mom. I got two older brothers and one older sister, so obviously they played that father figure. We'll get into that. Um, but like in terms of the basketball court, I really never looked to my parents. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't. I, I can't remember a game where I was like, damn. I wish my, my pops was in the stands. Like, I honestly don't. Um, and that could be for a few reasons. That could just be because I was so, like, Locked you know, in. unfazed by it. You know what I'm saying? It's like out of mind, out of sight, out of mind. Um, and I knew my mom had work. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, was, I would never tell my mom, yo, please come to my game to miss work. Like, nah, we, like, I, I fully understood, like, yo, she has to do her thing. And obviously, I had the support of other parents from my teammates, you know, that were big, like, that would come, pick me up, take me to the games. We used to win games because buy me Gatorade. So definitely shout out to all my close friends that their parents held it down for me. Um, but I don't think, even in high school too, like I don't even think, um, I don't even think it really phased me to that point. Um, actually, it was one time, not in basketball, during football, when I felt it. And um, 
I think this is when for that day, I would say that I, I did feel like, damn, like I never experienced this. And it was, uh, I'll tell you a story is during football. I played football too. So my sophomore year, um, I was nose guard. So like right in front of the ball, for those of you that know football, um, quarterback snap, and I caught a good sack on him. And I was on him all game. Like I was on him all game. And I remember hearing somebody from the stand like, yo, like whose kid is that? Who, 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 whose kid is number 68? This is this hit home. Then I remember because not basketball, football. Like, yo, whose kid is that? Quiet. You know, you know how it is. Like, yeah. nobody was out there. Like, I didn't. I never told my siblings to come. It was just like, yo, everybody was busy, and I was doing my thing. I had my friends, so I feel like we did. So, it got quiet, and everybody looking around, and then somebody get up and like, yo, that's my kid. Like, like I don't know him, but that's I claim him. That's me. A word, bro. So then an, another parent pops up. It's just parents of my, you know, like just random. Uh, yeah, Mount St. Yeah. Michael parents, you know what I'm saying? Showing love. Somebody else showing love. Somebody else like, nah, nah, that's my kid. And I'm like, damn. I'm like, yo, they I'm like, yo, they 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 really rocking with me. And I remember hearing it and I'm like pointing to them in the you know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, damn, like, so this is what it, like this this is what it feels like. So when you mentioned it, like never had that experience in basketball, but for that game, I definitely do think like it was something that I never experienced never ever in my life so I didn't even know how to react to it I didn't know that that was a thing that you had you you could have that much support at a game and you know after the game run to family and you know run to pops or whoever and like really experience that so for me it was just like yo as long as I had my friends and my coaches like I was I was good for the most part yeah th those that really don't know what it takes to run a team those that have been a part of a team, like you literally just broke down the epitome of what a real team is. Yeah. The moms, the dads that pick you up, take you to practice, the moms and the dads that are willing to make that claim for that kid. And they knew your situation. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? They gravitated. They already knew to fill in that slot. And um, I think that that speaks volumes. And that even with what you were saying, like when you're so locked into what you're doing, and right. also as a kid just being innocent and being naive you just think that your situation is the norm mm -hmm. you feel me and you just i'm not speaking for you but it's what you're saying to me no that's it is it. you know yeah, what i mean? I, yeah really really and truly that's what it is i was just speaking about that now just you feeling that and playing that back in your mind that just comes to volumes of what it really means to have a whole team you yeah. know what i'm saying because that moment could have been completely different for you that feeling you were getting yeah. When you're looking up and you know nobody's gonna stand up and then somebody did. So that whole situation it was like, whoa, it was like, whoa, yeah. they it was like they yo, they they rocking with me. Like, yo, somebody is like they paying attention. And that was a great feeling for that for that. And that's that's a great confidence booster for you as well, too, as you continue to go and, and play sports as well. So now what type of things do you think would be different that you one or two if your father really was hands on the like? Um, I mean, damn, we could, it, it goes a long list. Um, I mean, even on bat on the basketball end, one of the things that I always, that I always, uh, think back to, like, again, I didn't start playing organized basketball for fifth grade. Mm -hmm. I had like broke my two fingers, um, during, I think sixth grade. So I, I didn't play that year. Um, and I look back to my career. So again, I always feel like, yo, there's tears of basketball, right? So obviously never never picture myself playing d1 right but if you put me in a room 
with dudes who really hoop that's really in school as I've been before. Like I could compete. That's where it's at. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying I'm I'm gonna ball. I'm not I'm not food and rocking doing anything you need me to do. I'm getting my buckets. I'm getting mine. That's just natural mentality. But I do think back to okay, if I did have this figure, would he be there to take me to practice? Or maybe I would have started earlier, right? Maybe I would have had. Maybe I would have did AAU, right? I never did AAU during the summer. I never just did like anything. Me, just like me, never did anything. I was always like the only my only opportunity was school. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't school, I would be at the park with my friends. So I wasn't doing drills. I was just paying hardcore three-on-three pickup, like call your own fouls. So oh, that go. I, you know, you know exactly. So I think that obviously it definitely would have, you know, it definitely would have played a role in, in just, you know, my basketball, football career. Like I had quit, you know, it's funny. I quit football like two, three times, actually. My, my freshman year, they put me on O-line. Okay. And I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. I, you big I, enough I was, to O-line? I was big. I, when I was, I was real, I used to be real, like, chubby and fat, like, real oh, big. Okay. Yeah, and um, I was tall, but, like, like I should have been, if I would have, like, I, I was a center, I had a center's body, but I wasn't that tall as a center. Like in that Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Were you big enough you know for O-line? Because they big. Yeah, they big. And in my freshman year, like, I was big and I was strong. I wasn't that big, but I was really strong. So they put me on O-line. I wasn't that fast. And I told coach, I'm like, yo, like, I don't, I'm not really, I'm not, I never played football before, so I'm, feeling that. <laughs> I'm not feeling this, like, I'm not about to block, like, I, I'm not doing that, so he told me, like, yo, um, just try it out, try it out, I'm like, all right, played another game, I'm like, yo, it's over, so I came back sophomore year, then I played on the D-line, different, whole different game, where I'm, I'm just tackling people now, I'm with it, and I quit football after that year, I never went back, because I was so focused on basketball, now, I think that I, if I would have played football, I'd have definitely got a scholarship to play football in college, easily, easily. Yeah, if it wasn't easily, if it wasn't like a big D one, I would have got it. I would have definitely got it because I was good. You know what I'm saying? I was, I understood the the game, and I I only started in high school. You know what I'm saying? My coaches even now tell me like, yo, you should have just kept playing football. And I was like, yo, are you right? Like, but I was so focused on ball. So I think maybe if I had that figure, he would have been able to see my potential. Like, yo. I know you want to do this, but you either got to do both or we're just going to lock in with football because, you know, in my mind, when I have a son, I'm trying to make sure if I don't have to pay for his school, <laughs> if I can get him to a, a good school through sports, like, we, you know, let's do it. So I think that's how it could have impacted me in the sports realm. I don't know if you want to leave it there or just talk general, but definitely for – Outside of it too. Definitely for that. Um, outside of it – now, this is – now, it's funny because – Because this is what I want. Yeah, so I don't think – so those who know me growing up, I don't think I was ever a bad kid. I think that I understood it at an early age. Like, to just show you the mindset of, of, of how I was living, I never smoked. I've never drank in my life. And obviously, during high school, that's what, that's what the kids are doing, even through college. Like, you know, you know how it is. Like, but I, would, I was in rooms. I was in rooms where dudes were doing their thing. Just one touch it. Events, doing their thing. And I never, ever like, yo, maybe I should. And dudes would be like, yo, hey, you know, peer pressure, you know how that go. And I, I, I shut that down quick. I think that dudes respected who I was. And, you know, whether it was respect or fear, like, yo, let me not even bother him. So I never really had to do much of that. So when you ask me, like, yo, how could my life have been different if I didn't have, if I had my father in my life? To be honest, I don't know. Because... 
I, like I said, I had two other brothers who were great father figures, like my protectors. Anytime I needed something, like they were there. So I, I feel like in his absence, they stepped up. So when somebody was to say like, yo, how could you, like, yo, I got good grades. Like I, obviously I wasn't the top, I wasn't top one, but I got good grades. I stayed out of trouble. I was on the street, you know, playing with friends, but I never did anything that was like, yo, like, yo, why would you do that? You know what I'm saying? Like something that could have put me in jail or something that was crazy. I was just doing like regular kid stuff. So to be honest, I don't know. Um, again, I guess that goes back to what you were saying before. Like I was numb to it, mm-hmm. not even really thinking about it. Um, I think now when I look back and I see how families are set up that have the two parent households, I do think that really my life, my life generally would have been different, right? I can kind of tell. You're aware of it. Yeah, I'm aware of it. Now I'm I'm aware of it. So I 100% think it would have been different. I think I would have been a better space. Maybe I wouldn't have even been living where I was living. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But to pinpoint something is tough because, you know, as, as, as tough as growing up was, my mom did a great job. My siblings did a great job. And of course, I'm the youngest. So I'm 100% sure what I'm saying now would be completely different if you ask my sister or my brothers. Oh, yeah. Right? Because, you know what I'm saying? Because for, for me, it's like, yeah, I'm looking up to them. And they know what's going on. They know, you know what I'm saying? Like, so they're, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Come with me. I'm seeing them do that. Like, you know, like, um, never had to deal with, like, no gang issues, nothing like that. Like, of course, siblings were involved in it. Like, you know what I'm saying? That was a part of the lifestyle. But I think I was so protected that, I didn't really get to see a lot of the the crazy, crazy stuff. You know what I'm saying? So when you when you break down a situation to me like that, um, and I'm pretty you, you want to have kids of your own, right? Of course, yeah. Okay. How does this make you think? Like, what makes you feel, or how does your situation really make you think about when you have children? Like, what are you gonna make sure that? you're gonna do that you didn't get um great question bro <laughs> i be thinking about this all the time um yeah this is low this is this is it's so many parts here so mm-hmm. i actually asked one of my pro fights um um my, my bro kareem and you know he 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 grew up areas in where we grew up you know tough living and now he lives Further up Westchester, nice little, you know, nice crib, new, new row. And I asked him, I said, yo, like, don't you want your kids to grow up like where you grew up so they can understand how to live life and like go through your struggles? And he was like, nah. He was like, you know what? They're going to have their own struggles. And it may not be walking outside and seeing, you know, little crack pipes on the floor and needles and drugs and, con- you know, all that crazy stuff that, you know, growing up you would see in the, in the hood. He was like, that's not going to be a part of their struggles, but he knows that they're going to have their own set of struggles and he's going to do his best to try and get them to understand that. And when he told me that, I was like, damn, that kind of changed my whole mentality because for me, like I wanted my kid to grow up in my same crib, like Mm -hmm. same block and go through exactly what I went through because again, I'm looking at myself like I turned out well. So I want to try and emulate all of the things that I've experienced and recreate it so that they can go through it. So for me, knowing that, it's, I'm kind of in this, like, bounce back and forth. Like, yo, do I, am I going to send my kids to a great, immaculate school where they have no issues and they never have to really defend themselves? 
or am I going to send my kid to a school where, where like I went to where the expectation was set high, but kids were still doing their thing, right? You, uh, whether you got into a fight or, you know, somebody tried to run down on you, you know, you ever got caught up in a situation where somebody's patting down your pockets, you know, like all those crazy, my, all those crazy stories in the hood. Like I want my kids to experience that. So I do go back and forth a lot because I think it built who I, it built me to, to be who I am today. Um, but definitely being there with, with my kid, I think that I'm going to have a, a, a bit of a, a better understanding of, of how to raise a child when I'm older. Obviously, I want to be my, my son's life, my, my daughter's life. Um, I want to have a wife or I want to have like that American dream, like that family mindset. I don't, I don't anticipate trying to raise a kid on my own or, you know, not being a part of my, my kid's life. I definitely do want to be there because like you said before, I'm aware of everything now. Like I understand when you need some money and mom's is working hard trying to put food on the table for her three kids. And it's like, damn, like, you know, four, four kids. And it's like, damn, like, I can't really even ask mom for $20 for the week because you don't got it. She don't got it. <laughs> she don't got it. Like, I want to be able, I want my son to be able to know my son. Is, I keep saying son, my son to that. <laughs> no, uh, my, 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 my kids to know, like, listen, like, I got it. You don't have to work for it, but we got it. That's what I want. I want that, man. I want that mindset because I don't know. I don't really know how my mom felt, obviously, because I'm not in her position. But I know how it felt when I was in my position. Exactly. And I just need, I just want a bacon and cheese for lunch. And, like, I'll be good. Like, that's really all I want. And it's tough. So, you know, you got to hustle. But, again, so the fact that I couldn't, because I could not do that, I found ways to hustle. And I want my kid to be able to do that. And I'm afraid that if he doesn't have that experience, his hustle may be different. And I'm not even thinking about the positive. I just keep thinking about the negative, like, damn, maybe my son not going to know how to really work for it, or my daughter not going to really know how to get out there and, you know, make it of her own. So I'm going back and forth, but I know I'm going to be there, and, you know, I'm going to know I'm going to try to be as supportive as possible. Yeah, I think you you really pointed out some good things there, and I think um, one thing I think you have to recognize is that because you know how it feels not to have, you're going to yeah. make sure that he does or she does have, right? right. That's one. Two you embody everything that you want your kids to have and more. So they're going to have that hustle. They have to, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if they're willing to put the work in, cause me and you both know, I could put you in a situation. Right. You still got to do that for yourself. Right. So that doesn't matter who we are. You know what I'm saying? So when you say that, I I think that when it comes that time, bro, I I think you're going to be fine. It's just, you went through that, you went through that for a reason. You know what I'm saying? And you move the way you, move for for everything that that's happening in your life for, for that exact reason right so i don't think you're gonna have any issue you know passing that down because that's authentic who that. you are. yeah that's just and it's, it's it's just plain in my head you know what i'm saying like be this be this be this be this because you know what it feels like when you don't have it you so do, exactly is, and and that is big. you could tap into that there's no issue mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying yeah, so good you point. Brought up, yeah, you brought up a little bit earlier how, you know, how much your siblings played a big role in your life. Um, the older brothers were there for you. Your sister was there for you. And it's to, to my understanding that you have a nephew that you know that, that you're very far yeah. as well, too. Nephew, two nieces, yeah, facts. Mm-hmm. So not even to say that you're in, like, the father-type situation, but does that make you more protective being that they're, like, they're a part of you now, too? Because, like, 
you know, anything happens to them, you know, that's, that's, that's on you. So how does it feel being like, like the uncle, you know? To, mm -hmm. to it's big. A hundred percent. It's, you know, like I said, I got nephew and two nieces. So two, my niece and my nephew, Roger Samantha, um, I see more, I see more frequently than the other niece of Maya, um, cause they're around. Right. So the living one brother and his girlfriend and, it's funny you mentioned that because not too long ago, I know we're going to probably get into this, but I wrote a poem um, about them, about them. And it's funny in the poem, it's so simple. I just, there's something I was thinking about, but so when I walk with them, you know, in my mindset, you know, as a gentleman, you always want to make sure that you're on the outside, yeah, they're on the inside, the woman on the inside. Right. So all this time I'm walking with them and I want them to be on the outside. And I'm walking, I'm walking, but Elijah's the oldest. And every now and again, I put him on the outside. Okay. And I'm in the middle, and Samantha's on the left. Usually that's how you, sometimes how you walk. And I, I kind of just want to, I'm slowly just trying to build him up to understand, like, yo, that's your job. Mm -hmm. When I'm not here, like, yo, you got to be her protector when I'm not there. Right. And the whole concept of it was, like, these mean, mean machines. And the mean machine is just the car. Right, because you know, we, we all see how car accidents, how easy it can happen when a kid runs out or you know, where whatever the case may be. And I never want him to, to, to forget that he has to be that older, that protector for her. Obviously they're gonna protect herself, but you know, we, we're in a traditional mindset. So for me, like yo, you're the oldest. Hold it down. This is on this is on you, hold it down. So every now and again I put him on the outskirts just for him to get a feel of it. I'm sure he doesn't know what's going on, but he does, he, it, he does because when when you're not there, he's just going to do it. Exactly. And, and so you're right. Let me take the that back. You're right. The mindset. And that's what I'm trying to build on him. So 100%, anytime I'm with them, I'm very like, you know, in that mindset. And it's funny you mentioned that. I'm always like, yo, I just need to make sure that they are safe. And when I first started taking them places, and it would be simple, like taking them to their food. Um, you know, now we do whatever, right? Movies, uh, the parks. We, I take them anywhere, right? Um but when I was first doing it, I was a little nervous. I'm like, damn, like, I'm like, yo, this is, this is like me. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yo, if I don't take them back, if I don't get them back home, like. It's an issue. Like, it's, this is big. So I'm always, always on top of them. And, um, you know, it's, and especially because I'm an educator, too. So Samantha's brilliant, so smart. And as brilliant as Elijah is, he likes to play around a lot. So I'm always in that teacher mindset. Anytime I see him, I'm like, no talk like this, write like this, like, you know, make sure you're in class, I need good grades, and I'm always on top of him, because I know, you know, I know how it is, like, he's definitely that kid in the class that's giving the teacher trouble, because, mm -hmm. like, pretty, he gets it, but he's just gonna play around, so, you know, I, it's funny you mentioned that, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I think it's definitely um giving me some practice of, of how I, of how I should be raising, you know, things that I should do, I'm kind of getting a feel for it, of walking, making sure they're in my, they're in my sight, they're in my view, and things like that. Yeah, I think I think it's real crazy too, cause you like you were just saying, you don't really feel it until you're in that situation. You know what I'm saying? Like right. take them to the park, and then you don't see her for like two minutes. You like, oh, like whoa, whoa! No. <laughs> <laughs> you like, damn, hold on, yeah, not even, I mean, you know that that's your niece, but in your mind, you're like, yo, I have to bring her back right. safely. You know what I'm saying? So I the mean, world is crazy. You know, yeah, I'm, very. I'm, the world is crazy. Know that. And um, that that's good that your instincts is even there anyway, because you know you got yeah. some that's not even really focused on like that anyway. But before we get into the poetry, 
you're a Bronx native, but you were born in Wisconsin. How do we get to Wisconsin? Yeah, man. Big dub. I always do this with <laughs> people mentioning Wisconsin, um, Madison, Wisconsin. And, um, yo, it's crazy because this is kind of going, we going back now. And <clears throat> I actually put this in one of my poems. Um, real, like, undercover, my close friends who know me, they know what it is. It's not really talked about a lot. I actually don't mention it a lot. But um, my father, back in the day, <clears throat> used to sell drugs. Right. And I... I myself am not even a hundred percent sure of, of 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 the whole situation, right. but in my mind, how it goes down is like, yo, the Bronx was, you know, it was hot, right? So my parents are from Jamaica, but we lived in the Bronx, and the Bronx was hot, right? He he was doing his thing in Wisconsin, whatever that was, and <clears throat> at that point, he had got locked up when we was in Wisconsin, and so it was just, you know, my mom, we, you know, we doing our thing, we doing our thing, and I was born there. And I lived there for like six months, six, seven months. And then oh, we moved back. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I'm, it was funny because I didn't really, again, you had to know me to know I was in Wisconsin, to know I lived there. You have to really be close to me. You know what I'm saying? And I, when I tell people, they're like, where are you from Wisconsin? They try to like throw me all like, oh, you like cheese? And you know this? I'm like, nah, um, uh, I do like cheese. Yeah. But like, I was just born there. I lived there for six months. And then I moved to Jamaica with my grandma for a year and change. And then I came to the Bronx. So I'm always, I, I think that Wisconsin has definitely shaped who I am, even as little as I've been there. So that's why I always will represent anybody who knows. I never, I never, like, even, even my students, I'm like, yo, listen, I say that I'm born and raised in the Bronx sometimes, but y'all should know that I was born in Wisconsin. And then we kind of get into a little bit and then like, whoa, wow. Like, they don't even really know about Wisconsin. So it's not a big thing. But um, yeah, so that's, that's what happened. I was there for a little bit, right? We was, I think, I think that's where, that's where the, 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 the finesse was at the time. And I was there with my mom, my mom, my parents were living there for a little bit. And then, and then, like I said, I was born, lived there for a little bit. And then I moved out, went to Jamaica. Then I moved to the Bronx. And I've been in the Bronx ever since. Um, I was actually in my crib for 20 plus years, whatever it was. And now I'm living somewhere else. Still in the Bronx though, so. What part of Jamaica your family from? Uh, Kingston. Are from Kingston? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. My grandparents is from um, Mandeville and Kingston, so I already know. Okay. Okay, okay. So now we now we get to the point where you really you're starting to put the pen to the paper. You know what I'm saying? You see that you you got some words, you're crafty with it, the wordplay. What's your definition of poetry? Um. Yo, it's crazy. I know I keep saying that, but every time you asking some great questions, bro, because because <laughs> like. I reflect so much and I'll tell you, bro, I'm here. You know, it's, it's a great question because these are hitting like points. And I remember a long time ago, she probably didn't remember this. One of my closest, my, my best friends that I've known since I was little, uh, Jessica. I never considered myself a poet. And a lot of people don't even know that um, because I felt like I was doing it wrong. Like no one has ever sat me down and said, hey, this is how you do poetry. I just kind of put words together and when I'm up on stage, I acted, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm into it. So spoken word. So I, I can now separate the two. And I think that I only like to do spoken word because when I think about poetry, I think about like format. And even though there's a free verse, I, I feel like poetry is just an expression of emotions. That's, it's, it's that simple as that. I'd rather tell you about, instead of saying I'm feeling down, I'll say something like, yo, my mood is like the sky. 
or something like that. And I, and I feel like when I do that, like, it just makes more sense to me. Like, you know, the sun rises, the sun sets. And like right now I'm not really feeling it. So that's kind of like how those metaphors and those similes, that, that's that kind of like how I put it together. And for me, it's really just an expression. Like I do a way better job of expressing myself through poetry than for me to actually have a conversation with somebody and be like, yo, here's how I'm feeling. Like, just listen to this poem and you can get it. Like, this is better for me. <laughs> um, um, so now obviously I'm working on that communication, but for me, poetry is that. So I was telling my, my friend, like, yo, I'm not, I'm not a poet. Like, I just kind of put words together and it, they sound good. And she was like, no, nah, like, you need to really own it. And this was years ago, like years, years ago, but I, I'll never forget this. And it wasn't until that point that I considered myself a poet. And I would tell people like, yo, Confident. I do, I do poetry. You know, like that. Like, oh, what? Like, yeah, I do poetry. And here are some of my pieces. Here's some whatever I do. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how I would define poetry. I definitely feel you 100% on that. And I think also, too, son, you got to recognize it's like, even though your style may be unorthodox, and like you're saying, like, you rather just go with the spoken word, um, do the way you're delivering it, that's right. what's going to make people feel it. You know, exactly. words are okay. words on a paper, but the way you push that, the way you give off those words, it's, it's going to hit them. Right. Me and you can say the same thing, but it hit two different ways. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, so, I mean, that's that's all in poetry. You know right. what I mean? So, that's it right there. Yeah. Especially. Who, who inspired you to start writing? Um inspire me uh joshua bennett is this dude this poet from um i think he went to upenn um i actually don't i've never met him i don't know much about him to be very honest with you but um <clears throat> i started writing poetry due to like a breakup in high school not real real like really real super <laughs> it works <laughs> real cliche right right um i'm actually close like like it's all love between me and her um and like all parties that were involved like it's, it's really all love so it's just like you know whatever but we're not on that time but it's you know it is what it is um so at the time i was just like yo i'm down and out you know regular cliche and i wrote a poem i put it up on youtube like i don't even know where it's at right now i think i took it off a minute ago but i can't even find it um and then after that i wrote a i entered into this com uh this competition in uh my bio class in ninth grade i came in like second place real like just, like just jumping you're know, just jumping out and doing stuff like I, around like, with it though. Just playing around with it. Literally, just like, yo, I'm going to just let it fly. And so I would say I, I, I stumbled upon his video. Um, Joshua Bennett, he performed um, at the White House for Barack, mm. President Barack Obama. And it was this video, and he's talking about his sister and how she's deaf. And the whole concept of it was he's never taken the time to learn sign language. And in the poem, he's doing sign language. So he's putting oh, his words yeah. and he's doing, he's like doing sign language. And I'm like, oh my God, this fine. That's fine. Yeah, this is it, you know? Tamara has never listened to hip hop, never danced to the rhythm of raindrops or fallen asleep to a chorus of chirping crickets. She has been deaf for as long as I've been alive. And ever since the day I first turned five, my father has said, Joshua, nothing is wrong with Tamara. God just makes some people different. And at that moment, 
Those nine letters felt like hammers, swung gracefully by unholy hands to shatter my stained glass innocence into shards that can never be pieced back together or do anything more than sever the ties between my sister and I. I waited, was patient numberless years, anticipating the second her ears would open like lotuses and allow my sunlight senses to seep into her insides, make her remember all of those conversations we must have had in heaven back when God handpicked us to be sibling souls centuries ago. I still remember her 20th birthday. Readily recall my awestruck 11-year-old dies as I watch deaf men and women of all ages dance in unison to the vibrations of speakers booming so loud that I imagine angels chastising us for disturbing their worship with such beautiful blasphemy until you have seen a deaf girl dance. You know nothing of passion. There was a barricade between us that I never took the time to destroy. Never for even a moment thought to pick up a book and look up the sign for sister, for family, for goodbye. I will see you again someday. Remember the face of your little brother. It is only now I see that I was never willing to put in the extra effort to love her properly. So as the only person in my family who is not fluent in sign language, I've decided to take this time to apologize to Mara. I am sorry for my silence, but true love knows no frequency. And so I will use these hands to speak volumes that can never be contained within the boundaries of sound waves. I will shout at the top of my fingertips until digits dance and relay these mental messages directly to your soul. I know that there is no poem that can make up for all the time we have lost. So please, if you can, just listen. Thank you. And it's funny, like, I say this, like, growing up in the hood, when we see hand movements, we think, like, game signs and, like, you know, people the, stacking these sets. That's the first thing that you're going to think. That's what it is. And, again, I was never in a game. I never did that. But I was so fascinated by it. Like, anybody, I think anybody is, really, like, it, it's any hand movements. Even, like, anime. I don't know if you, know, if you watch anime, but, like, even, like, Naruto. Um, I'm a big Naruto fan. And, like, you know, when, they, you know, when they're doing their then ninja just doing all that stuff, like, they're doing hand movements. So I was so intrigued by it. So I'm watching this video and he's doing the sign language and the concept of it was like recognizing how important it was to keep the communication between him and his sister and he's doing sign language. And that video paired with battle rap, you know, I gotta, I'm in the battle rap scene too. So Loaded versus Calico. Mm -hmm. So I remember in high school learning Loaded all three verses, even though he messed them on the first, on, on the first one, yeah. all his verses. So with those two videos, it was so inspirational that I'm like, yo, I gotta, like this, I'm in it. Like, I wanna be this, like I wanna, I wanna deliver like you said, I wanna deliver like how to deliver in. And it makes me feel good when I write something and I could deliver it how they're delivering it. So I always, you know, I take points from them. You know, I really watch them. And it's funny because I don't really watch any other videos except for that video for, for Joshua Bennett. Like, I actually don't even like watching poetry. It's, it's 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 so I guess it's silly, but um some some sometimes poetry doesn't really I can't connect with it, and so I kind of stick to what I like, and I just you know I have I just play those videos over and over. I mean that's the one that got you started. So I mean I'm I'm not right. by any means. What's what's your favorite poem if you have one? Because I know your poetry it, it's kind of like music, you know. Yeah. It, it depends on how you feel. So if you can. Tell me your favorite poem, if you if you could choose one. My favorite poem might be one that I, I most recently did. It's called um, I Am Black. 
Um, definitely two. I got two favorites now I think about it. It's uh, Future Waiting and I Am Black. And I'll tell you why. I Am Black is just, it's my most recent, like I said, it's a, it's a longer poem and it's me taking into account my identities. Um, and I want to say like through my experiences, whether education, living life as a black man, I think I'm fully in the identity of owning in like, yo, I am black. And throughout the poem, I'm addressing situations and I start off and I, I, I'll do like a little, I got like a little piece that I, a little, little piece that I want to, I'll tell you that I, that I say. And um, in the beginning of it, I call out to one of my friends and in the poem, every now and again, I call out to one of my friends. So it's like a, uh, it's like a, a, a response. Yeah. So in the beginning of the poem, I'm like, yo biz, like yeah, you met biz before, I'm like, yo biz, uh, like what is black? And I'm like, yo, black is beautiful, right? And I'm going through it. And then I'm calling, I'm calling out. And there's a line in it when I'm like, um, say, yo, we ain't looking for handouts, but they're trying to crucify us like we got our hands out. Yeah. Black skin face down as palms up or man up, because law enforcement still shooting, yelling hands up, but we got a man down. The daily disappearance of our sun in the horizon, that's the sundown. And at that point, I'm like, yo, seg. And he like, yo, they gonna get this work. Who gonna get this work? And I'm like, they gonna get this work. Why? Cause mom and dad came to afford to bury their son now. So when I play that back, I'm like, yo, as a black man, as black people living in today's society, like the the people that understand things, like yo, we not looking for handouts. We don't want nobody to do anything for us. That's the last thing I want from you is a handout. You know what I'm saying? Like, but that's trying to crucify us. Like we got our hands out. Like you know, I'm a Christian. So in my mind, I'm like, yo, like. Like, I'm on a cross. Like, y'all trying to crucify us like we got our hands out. That's not the case, you know? And I'm like, you know, law enforcement still shooting, yelling hands up, but we got a man down. Like, throughout these days, y'all are killing, y'all like literally killing us. Yeah, literally. Man, this is, this is literally happening in society, like, and I'm like, the daily disappearance of our sun in the horizon, that's a play on metaphor. And for me, it's like, um, it's like, yo, these, our sons, Right, all these black sons that are living in the world are disappearing. Right, they are vanishing. They are they're being murdered, um, being attacked, uh, scrutinized, all of this stuff. And he's down. Like this is a man down. We need help. Like we, we this is a cry for help. And that plays into it because our sun, when it disappears in the horizon, it's called the sundown. Mm-hmm. So it's like that double, like boom, that double win. And that part for me is so strong because I'm like, yo. And the only people that are going to get that work or that are going to be at a loss are mom and dad because they can't even afford to, like, funerals are very expensive. I don't even think people understand that. No, very. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, yo. Casket is easily 10 bands. Easy. Just to put the body in the casket is In the casket. You know what I'm saying? And even to, like, yo, it's cheaper to cremate. Like, yo, that's not even really a thing for certain people. It's not. They're not into that at all. So. Mm-hmm. It's like, yo, who gonna get this work? And that goes back to the Loda video, because if you watch the video, Loda's like, oh, he, gonna, he gonna get this work. He gonna get this work. So that's me paying homage to Loda. Mm-hmm. So and I'm and I'm always doing that with one of my friends. So he's there, said, said my boy Young Prince, and I'm like, yo, who gonna get this work? He's like, I'm um, I'm like, yo, said that's all first verse, because for me, that was off the like, it was natural when I wrote when I wrote that. So I'm telling him, I'm like, yo, that's sag, that's all first verse, all first verse. And he's like, who gonna get this work? Who gonna get this work? And I'm like, mom and dad, 
because they can't even afford to bury their son. And that for me was like, whoa. It was like, yo, like that hit hard. And that hit hard. And, and, and as I keep going to give you the, the, the next part, I'm like, hold on, time out. Um, as my moon waxes and wanes, never have I felt a stronger bond with my identities until now. I am young. I am strong. I am a man, but most importantly, I am black. But I still feel like the token boy in any professional setting when the shades of those around me are nothing darker than the khakis in which I had on. So it's like, yo, like in my professional world, I don't get to interact with that many people that look like me. And I still feel like that token boy, like, yo, I'm, I am black, I'm strong, but in certain situations, I still get that feeling. Yeah. Yo, Biz! Who are you? I am black. State the obvious. Black is beautiful. Mm. That's right. Every bit of our body glistens on we shine, we shine bright. So why is it that y'all fear us? How could such a love and representation pose such a threat? Can you answer that? Truth be told, though, ones who need to hear it the most are no longer alive to hear the lies. But if y'all care to share, y'all feel them right beside them. Besides, who needs a rebuttal when it is like? Y'all lied, y'all took, and y'all beat us until we lost all confidence. Felt disastrous, truly a degrading lack of self-esteem and a complete 360 that had me question and recycling my first sentence backwards. Beautiful. It's black. Oh, and black am I? Does this not sound like a disgusting case of second guessing? While it's 2020 and our oppressors use the Constitution as a legal weapon? But nah, y'all said time we held everything. Well, since that's false, let's make another amendment. Because all this time has gone by, but it looks as if the black folk keep settling. Without settlements or reparations for our history. Man, we ain't looking for handouts. But y'all trying to crucify us up, we got our hands out. Black skin face down, that's palms up or hands up. Cause law enforcement still shooting, yelling, man up. But we got a man down. Fuck the daily disappearance of our sons in the horizon, that's a sundown. Say, that's all first verse, all first verse. Who gon' get this work? They gon' get this work. Who gon' get this work? They gon' get this work. Right, that shit back, I said, uh -huh. man, we ain't looking for handouts. We're not trying to crucify us up, we got our hands out. Black skin face down, that's palms up. And boy, I know it's hard for you to man up. Cause law enforcement still shooting, yelling hands up. But we got a man down. The daily disappearance of our sons in the horizon, that's a sundown. And they don't get this word, why? Cause mom and dad can't even afford to bury their son now. As my moon waxes and wings, never have I felt the stronger bond with my identities until now. I am young, I am strong, I am a man, but most importantly, I am black. But I still feel like the token boy in any situation when the shades of those around me are nothing darker than the khakis in which I had on. At first, the birds are featherweavers, but over time, these feathers flock together and become burdensome. But we are free, so we should fly. Yo, we should be praised and honored for simply roaming in this world. It was us who built this. The women in our lives can't pick by Eve or Mother Mary herself, and when they still love, it's every little black and brown child who represents compassion, fortitude, and mercy. I am fearful because I am black, and I understand that hatred this world has to bring, and the implicit malicious microaggression snuck into casual conversations. I am fearful. Talk to we let authorities decide that they will be put on a temporary leave with pay while we be made an example that our older brothers and sisters are left of you. Please hug your black people tight 
Because tomorrow is in a promise. We ain't really talking. Talkers that be chastised without fake views and kiss goodbyes, but look over how we left for garbage. This is nothing. So what do you want? I just want our children to be happy. Uh, uh, tears of my ancestors running through all this through this black skin. These invisible scars stained in the soil of my blood, they itch. I mean, yo, let's stop pretending. Do you care for our well-being? Can you see it? Because if not, that's a flow of vision or tunnel privilege. Open your eyes to our demise. Y'all the only one celebrating hell of a surprise. But in the words of Joshua Ben, God just makes some people different. So I am black. Black is beautiful. Yeah. 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 Um, now I actually don't. I mean, I usually write in my in my bed. Okay. You know, my, my couch is laying spot. down. That's my spot. My bed and my couch laying down in the dark, usually in the dark, uh, with music bumping. Okay, I was just about to say music. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I'm always, anybody who knows me, I'm always in music. I got speakers in every part of my room, shower included. I always got to bump my music. And there's certain songs that I listen to that gets me in that, like, writer writer's mentality. So definitely I was in the house right now. And then now I kind of feel like that leans towards, you know, one of the greatest players that ever played the game. You know what I'm saying? One of your idols, Kobe Bean Bryant. Obviously, we lost him this year. Um, but I think a lot of people are jumping on the Kobe wave. They they like the Mamba mentality. Do you have it? And do you know what it really takes? But I think Kobe really stood out to a lot of people, like what we were talking out, talking about because of the things he did off the court right who he was on the court a lot of people didn't like right who he was off the court is really what people had people really gravitate into him so my first question to you is do you have the mama mentality a thousand percent i will i will hope that you know he he's looking at me now like with some like confirmation like yeah he got it and i look at the mama mentality I mean, of course everybody has their own definition and you know he's giving out his definition and know what it means but I was looking at it like yo going hard being your best self and being as passionate and as intense as you have to be and as you can be into what you're doing and I would say that the people that know me that's how I am like I think passionate would describe me the most mm-hmm. whether that's me just showing you love as a friend or me doing whatever I'm doing to the best of my ability and you know even that even plays into like the alpha world right to the best of our ability right so I feel from for for me a hundred percent. I think I think that that's the right where that's what I identify with. Hundred definitely. Why Kobe? Why is he your favorite? Like what makes um, him what what makes him stand out to you? Because there's a lot of greats in the game, and yeah. me and you both know a lot of analysts. A lot of people like to talk rings. Right. If we talking rings, we talking Bill Russell. Right. Right. True. If you want to be real. True. So true. I, um, I, I think, man, Kobe started, me and Kobe go way back. Me and Kobe go way back. Nah, um, but I don't know, ever since, ever since I could remember, it was always Kobe. Um, I think it was, like you said, it was on the court and off the court. And I took it into who he was as a person, too. Um, and one of my biggest things was how he spoke. I thought Kobe spoke so Eloquent. well. Eloquent. So, so well. Like, he spoke with conviction and and that was big for me. Um, 
even how I articulate my words now and growing up, what I looked at as like, yo, this is the man. Like, he is the man. And I loved his game. You know what I'm saying? He could shoot. He could do it all. You know what I'm saying? I, I, tried, to, I tried to make my game like his, you know, as unsuccessful as I was. But, like, yo, I, that was the go-to. Like, yo, Kobe shoots this way, so I got to shoot this way. Like, yo, he's, he's going around the back this way. He's doing that. Yo, he's wearing his jersey like this, so I got to do it. And for me, it was always like, yo, this is the person who I na- – it was like a natural gravitation almost. Like, I just loved, I loved his game. I think – I always say that every time he shot the ball, I thought it was going in. That's like right. that. It looked like it was going in. Even literally, when it was like even when it wasn't, like yo, I thought it was going in. So I don't know. It was like it. It goes back to like the paper ball. Anytime you got a paper ball, you throw it in the guard. It was like Kobe. And I'm not gonna lie, that's the that, truth. That's that's that followed me. That, it, you know, it it's followed me. No other player's name that you're saying. And you're lying if you can't. You're not even saying Jordan. Not even. That's what. That's what I think. Like no, as great as Jordan Kobe. is. And I'm not even, Kobe. that's not even my favorite at all, but that's a fact for sure. Kobe, Kobe, 100%. Kobe, 100%. Um, just going back to, like, I think I wanted to be like him so much. And this, I just wrote, wrote, a, wrote a poem about him recently, too. And kept me out the, I was like, yo, Kobe kept me out the streets. And, like, I wasn't even a street kid, really, but I was so focused on being Kobe that I didn't even realize I spent most of my time in the gym so I couldn't even afford to be out in the streets, really. Mm. Like, I was just in the gym, like, Kobe, 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 2K, 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 NBA Live. And I, I'm realizing that, yo, this was my inspiration. Because as we mentioned before, basketball has always been a part of my life. It has always been something that I'm into that I'm dedicating legit time to. And even though I'm not playing for a team, I'm always competitive. Like, I never walk on a court like, yo, I'm about to lose. No, um, so that goes into my mind and mentality. Like, yo, I'm going to do everything to win to my fullest potential and if I don't then I, at least I know that I gave it my all like as cliche it is but like that is the life we live you know what I'm saying something that I'm not sure that if we pick up pick up on as black men uh, you walk into school it's literally your first day Mr. Brown speaks to the kids for the first time and the young black boys are looking at you waiting for your words you know what I'm saying? Right. Look, you look just like them. You got the same haircut because sometimes you like to hit us with the half moon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How Kobe and, spoke. Um, I think sometimes we have the mentality. I mean, we like to use slang. It's it's a way that we connect. Right. But when I look at Mr. Brown and he looks just like me, but he yeah. speaks so clearly. That's right. like, oh, he has to teach me how to do that too. And I think that that's what really puts out with young black men and women in a different category when they understand like not having the intellect that's it right like you got to be able to say what's good and be able to walk into the room too you know what i'm saying 100 percent. as just just like that literally um that takes you to a story too my um like i'm in my third year now and mm-hmm. i'm teaching in the south Bronx. Hey, congrats on that, look- bro. that went fast yeah, bro, it's about to be three years done for my fourth, so thank you, I appreciate that. And whenever I get my, those kids in my class, especially the boys, even the girls too, let me not even say the boys, everybody, and they hear how I speak, you know, I'm coming in and suited up, um, you know, whether it's a shirt and tie, slacks, or actual suit jacket, you know, I mix it up, and there's two things that they just don't understand, so I can come in one day with a suit, next day I'm in Jordan, so that's one thing where they just, they cannot put a finger on it. They don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, you look like you're going to church. 
<laughs> and you know what I'm saying? Because they don't, they don't, they, know, they don't they, know better. They don't know. They don't know. They they have never seen a black man, or they've never real. They've never had a black man in a power of position, right? Exactly. I'm, I'm, that, I'm, the, I'm that power in that it. room. They've never seen that. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like, yo, like, yo, we have you alpha, like, yo, we have to wear a suit. Like, I don't. That's this is life right now. You know what I'm saying? A suit. Everybody gotta have a little. You know, I have some. You know what I'm saying? The, the life that we live, and they hear how I speak, and right. it bothered me the first time when they said it, and I didn't understand it. But as I'm an older teacher now, I'm saying older than third year, but they're like, "Yo, Mister, you why you sound why you always sound white? Like you, you trying to you trying to be somebody you not?" And <laughs> now I laugh. I'm like. I'm like, I get it now. Like at first I did not get it. I'm like, yo, what are you I'm like, yo, what are you talking about? And I kind of just like, yo, you're chatting right now. And now I break it down. I'm like, yo, um, how many black teachers have you had? So they like, uh, damn, I think maybe one. I'm like, okay, well, how did he speak? I mean, he he was he talked regular, like he ain't talk like you. And I'm like, yo, you think um I sound white? I'm like, well, how many white teachers have you had? Oh, well, all of them. And they, you, you and them sound alike. And I'm like, it's not white. We're just, we're, we're, we're just articulating. We're just speaking clearly. Like I'm, I'm using my words. I'm not using slang. Like this is time of instruction. Like this is how I, this is how, this is the, this is what we, we where we need to be at. Yeah. We can't always use slang, right? You walk into certain rooms and you should figure out that here is how we should present ourselves. Exactly. And they're like, wow, like, Yo, I ain't really ever like, like think about it like that. that. Mm-hmm. I ever think about it like that. And they're like, yo, but you be talking slang one day and then you, you start talking white the next day. And I'm like, nah, it's just it's just natural because me and you the same person. I'm like, yo, we grew up fifteen minutes apart. Like <laughs> ain't nothing changed. Like I'm using and I'm like, yo, I'm young. And they don't really know how old I am, but they can tell I'm young. Oh yeah, they so they like, know your body for sure. For hundred percent. hundred percent. And they're like, yo, like, I tell them, I'm like, I'm black and I'm not that much older than you. So y'all could put, I said, and I give them five minutes. I said, I'm gonna give you five minutes and I'm gonna say something, I want you to think about it. I'm like, yo, I'm black, I'm a man, and I'm not that much older than you. So then I asked them like, okay, what do you, what do you take from that? And, and a kid will raise his hand like, you know who A Boogie is? And I'm like, yes. Absolutely. Right? They're like, yo, you, you know this song? I'm like, yeah, you know who Pop Smoke is, R.I.P.? I'm yeah. like, yeah, like, I listen to, I'm like, yo, here, take, look it's at my playlist. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And they're like, oh, like, yo, you the bro. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm your teacher and we're going to do science. You know what I'm saying? And, and they're like, wow, like that, that's big for them because they have never been put in a situation where a black man understands the struggle. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, I'm like, yo, like, I understand when your phone gets cut off and you can't do anything until you're on Wi-Fi. They're like, oh, like, Yo, my phone cut off right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, I'm like, yo, I don't, I don't live an hour away. I live around the corner. I can be here in 10 minutes. I'm like, yo, I know about all this gang stuff. Like, once you're relatable to them, you know what I'm saying? And they, and they see it, but it, 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 it comes full circle. But being a presentable black young man in my role is so important. So important. It's very important. Very important. Yeah, thousand percent. We we gonna dive right back to that in a minute. Let's finish Kobe real quick. And I just need you to okay, tell okay. how you could feel so close to Kobe and you didn't even know. Right. Um I think because I dedicate a lot of 
who I am and what I've done because of the things and the things that I saw from him. So people were like, yo, you never met Kobe. Like, why? Because for me, like, when I grew up, it was Kobe. I did so much stuff to be like Kobe on the court. And if you know me, basketball ran my life up until college. How could I not be cool like Kobe? So how could I, like, yo, I'm devoting, like, yo, I'm thanking him for making sure I'm not on the streets that I'm at basketball practice. Making sure that I'm not, because I used to use this as my scapegoat. They'd be like, yo, you're not trying to drink? Like, nah, bro, I got practice tomorrow. Mm. And, they, and they like, oh, nah, nah, nah. It's dedicated. He, <laughs> yo, chill, chill. He got a game. He got a game in a little bit. He can't even be doing that. And I, I dedicate all of that because I'm in my mind, like, when I was on the court, I thought I was Kobe. Like, yo, I'm Kobe right now. And it's as silly as it sounds, like, I dedicate so much to basketball. And my coach, like, my old coach, Mr. Barry, I mention him all the time. Like, having him and, and, and being him, having him as my coach, even as one of my best friends, even up till now, like my fifth grade, sixth grade, and eighth grade teacher, also my coach when I was in school and just a friend who had supported me when I was in college, having him and Kobe was like, yo, I'm, I can't I can't do that because if Mr. Barry find out, like, he's going to be mad and I don't want him to be mad at me. Like, having that mindset. And I even have that now, like, my dean, where it's him, my, 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 my older sister, older brother, like, always. So I dedicate a lot of who I am to basketball. And my basketball, in that basketball world, Kobe is at the top. So everything that I'm dedicating stems from basketball. And because Kobe is there, Kobe gets all the grace for, for me. 100. Now, yeah. wrap the Kobe part up, your favorite matchup with Kobe versus who? Ooh, that's tough. You know, that's real tough. you tell me, I'm gonna tell you a clip that I saw a couple of days ago. I saw a clip of Melo and Kobe trying to. I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> trying to kill each other, bro. Like, I'm talking about, like, you know how we coach will tell you, like, you know, position yourself, get the position. Yeah. The way that they were fighting each other, like, bro, you're not even getting the ball yet. Not even they, getting they're going yet. at it. I'm talking elbow and elbow, and they at the end, it's like two seconds left. They're like, yo, you wilding me up. That's a fact. You know what I'm saying? So that's a fact. That, I, was um, definitely gonna, I was definitely going to mention that. And I'm after Kobe, like, Melo's in my top five of, like, favorites. Maybe my top three, to be honest. My fa- in terms of favoritism, Melo, 100%. I love, I, I love watching Melo play. I think that. Like, and I'm not even talking about, like, who's, who's the best. I'm talking about, like, who I would love to watch play the game of basketball. It's Melo. Um, I think even now that I'm older, like, I feel like I be playing my game like Melo. Because Melo is, like, he's really a three, but he can play the four. He has, like, that big, strong body, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? He, he has that body. And, but I, I definitely would go Melo and Kobe. Off of that clip alone, like, Back when he was in it, when he was on the Nuggets, like really going at it, and Mel, you know how Melo is. Melo gonna get his bucket. Oh yeah. Regardless. Oh yeah. Regardless. Oh, yeah. regardless. And Kobe had that number mentality, and and Melo had it too. Like, yo, I'm gonna get mine. Like, that's what I do best. Like, you can't stop me. So them going at each other is, is definitely probably one of the the best offensive offensive matchups you could find. Really, if you if you talking about Kobe versus somebody, um, if not him, then Paul Pierce. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Melo. Okay. Right. Paul Pitt's tough too. Yeah, Paul Pitt's tough too. <laughs> nah, he he definitely was the truth for a fact. I can't even. Paul Pierce hit so many game-winning shots. People yeah. that really watch Bull, bro, 
I, it's like if you made things rough for LeBron. He did. I'm talking about like a five to seven year stretch. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah, no, I have to 100% give it to Paul Pierce. Like he definitely was about that life. Now, when we come to like in terms of like post personal growth within yourself, what are some things that you feel like you're working on to just make yourself better as a person? Um, it it sounds like funny. I think it would sound funny, or maybe I should a better word here. But I'm I do a lot of things now because I want to be a go-to person for my family. And not only my immediate family, like mom, siblings, but like my future family, so like my wife and kids. So I took up like cooking. Like my mom is a You're great cook. Grandma, I see. Yeah, feel me. My mom is a great cook. My sister, great cook, chefing. And back when she was in Jamaica, had her own little thing going on. And people be like, "Yo, why you like? Why you be like? You just started cooking all of a sudden." I'm like, "Yo, I think about it now. Like, I think want to be. I want to bring something to the table. Like, I know I'm gonna be successful." You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm very confident in that. Whether it is, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to be Gucci. I know for a fact. But let's let's add some stuff on. So, I could cook. I know how, I know how to clean. So, cook and clean. Like, I'm not into, like, the traditional, I'm going to work and my wife is going to cook and clean. Like, no. I want I want a partner. And I'm, and I'm very clear about that now, I think, as I'm getting to know myself, like, I'm not going to be sitting here paying all the bills and allow you to, like, do your thing with the kids. Like, nah, we're going to do the 50-50. I'm looking for a partner. And I'm cooking heavy now, like, you know, just trying new dishes and, you know, getting, staying in touch with, like, my Jamaican cultural side. Because, like I said, I'm living alone now, so I don't got moms to be playing the reggae old tunes and, you know, chefing it up on Sunday. Like, nah, I can do that now myself. Um, So, like, little stuff like that, just making sure that, you know, I went and got my master's. Right. So I'm looking into like getting my doctorate now as well. So personally, we talk about personal growth, just trying to keep going. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I was a first generation student. Um, my sister and I graduated from the same school. You know what I'm saying? She she's doing her thing now. I'm doing my thing. So I have a little, you know, uh <clears throat> little journeys that I'm on now, but I definitely do think that like yo, the size the limit. You know, I have I have peers like yourself. Um, older people that I'm looking up to now, my LBs, you know, my fraternity brothers, and I see that what they're doing, and you know, you know how it is. It's not competition, but like, yo, he just got a new job with this person, or yo, he just got his MBA. It's like, damn, like you in a room. Next thing you know, everybody got their masters, and it's not like your peer person is doing it. But like, yo, you wanted it too, but now this is just more inspiration for you to go out there and get it. So, um, when it turns about personal growth, like that's where I'm at with it. Like, I try anything that I, any new skill that I can pick up that I could, you know, grab it real quick and, you know, see how it works for me, I'm into it because I know when I'm in the, in the future, I want my kids to look up and be like, nah, like, yo, my dad can do that. Or, yo, my husband can do that. Like, that's for me. Like, that's that's who I want to be as a, as a man when I grow up. Uh, that's, that's a fact. You, you got to be well-rounded as a, as an individual. And like you Simple. said, it's always good to bring something to the table because as humans, we always want something from each other. Exactly. Just a second ago, you touched on your, your frat brothers and, um, a brother that's close to you by the name of Samuel Dean, he told me that oh, yeah. you and your LBs are one of his biggest accomplishments at Alpha. How does that make you feel? Yo, man, Sam, like, yo, you know how it is, bro. Um, Sam is, like, one of my, and it's funny, I, because he's my ADP, because he brought me into the frat, I would never, like, and it's, it's funny because we never talk about, like, best friends. Like, I think as men, 
we shot in the term of like best friends, but like I'm yo, I look at I'll do it. Yo, yo, like I'm always like, yo, that's my bro, that's my bro. But it's funny because when I mention Sam, I'm always like, yo, that's my bro. Like, yo, that's my bro, bro. And and I try to like get that to people to for them to understand because I think bros, the bro the term bro is so used so frequently it's now. Like, loosely. I have like two older brothers, but I have many bros. But yo, I mean I love Sam. I think Sam has given me hope in like so many different ways. Like the thing about Sam in which I'm not like this at all. Like I'm at at times I think I could be aggressive to my friends and like be on them about certain things. Sam is like not carefree, but he's he not like a He's nonchalant. It's like, it's like, yo, he's not going to let you slack in no way, shape, or form, like, at all. I remember a story um, when I was interested into the organization. I'm like, yo, you know, um, I had a little 3.3 GPA, you know, trying to think I was cool. He like, like, eh, it ain't really a 4.0, <laughs> <laughs> And he like, yo, get a 4.0, come talk to me. And I tried my best to get that four. Uh-huh. I tried, bro. I tried my. Now I'm not gonna say I tried my best. I didn't get it, but I ended up getting a three point three. And he like, he like, yo, you. That's that's good work. He was like, yo, that showed that you were steady and like, you knew how to maintain it. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yo, he just he just put the script on me. Like, damn, like yo, that's a great way to put it. So. Through like you know he started his business which is which is which is big like he was somebody that I knew that had a full time job mm -hmm. when you hear about these stories but you don't it's rare that you have somebody that you can see it so as you know he was doing his thing making good bread and then he stopped um started you know got his MBA and now he started his own business so like when I got my job I sat with him like yo here's my package that they offered me I have no idea what it says and I went to his crib and he was like, yo, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, and here's why. And now, like, yo, yo, I'm good. Like, any financial advice that I need, I'm like, he's my go-to person as maybe you too, but, like, yo, he's he's helped me on so many ways. I can go to him for anything. He's opened up his crib to me whenever I'm whenever I'm out there. I go to check him. Um, it's love, you know. It's, it, as much love as you can think about, granted, we do have all these, you know, pockets of people that we can, you know, confide in all these things like yo he's somebody that I definitely look up to and who's always going to be there for me and I know it like it's always love it's never like I, I don't think I've ever had an issue with him like since that I can know you know sometimes somebody might do something might rub you the wrong way yeah like nah yo it's it's literally always been love he showed me so much different things he, he's okay. put me on to so many things and like it's you know it's I'm definitely grateful to have him you know have him in my corner yeah, that, that definitely speaks to the importance of having, like, a mentor. You know what I'm definitely. saying? Definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mentor, yeah. I, I forgot. It's funny I didn't even use that word, but, yeah, definitely one of my mentors. I think um, just as black men, and like you said, it's one thing to know that somebody's doing something, but when you see him and you can physically reach to him. Right. You know, bro, I, I need help with this, or Mr. Whoever so-and-so, can you help me do this? And the fact that you can really do that, it puts you, it shows you that I'm confident. I can actually do this now. Right. So I think mentorship for us is, is really, really pivotal because it gives mm -hmm. you all the confidence that you need to transition into whatever role or whatever goals you want. Right. So since we're on mentors, you, you're a mentor slash educator. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Do you feel any pressure that you're in charge of somebody's children's education? Um, I do, 
every now and again, I actually don't think about it too often. Funny enough, because I'm in that position. But my biggest issue, I think, with, in terms of pressure is, like, yo, man, if, if you spend a day with these kids, you'll see how much they're lacking in terms of education. Like, so, really low reading levels, uh, low understanding. You know, uh, you know they, they all have, some of them have individual plans that help them uh, advance their careers in education. But you'll see, like, yo, they don't know how to live life. And they don't understand the dangers that life presents them with just being a kid and being a black kid or being a big kid. And I had one of my first year, one of my students would always walk around pants sagging, hoodie on, um, big afro and like a bigger than me. And I told him, I was like, yo, um, you can't walk certain places like this. And he was like, yo, what you mean, Mr. Brown? Like, yo, what you mean, Mr. Like, and I'm like, you're you are an intimidating person and we live in a world where when other people feel intimidated they get aggressive and you're you're younger you're you, you're you know you look older than you are like you're you're a you are a, a little kid like you know what i'm saying and he didn't really understand me and i'm like yo have you ever been walking somewhere and somebody crossed the street to avoid you he was like damn yeah that's it, it happened all the time and i'm like yeah because you are a Six three, one eighty, two hundred, whatever how however much he was, like hoodie on, like yo, you're intimidating. And not to say that he can't do that, but like, yo, where you are right now, living in this world, living in where you're living, you gotta know when to flip it. I'm like, yo, when you walk in stores, people are gonna look at you and they're gonna stare you down just because, right? Just because you're black. And I told him, like, yo, no, that's other people have that privilege of, of living their life how they want, and we kind of gotta we gotta fix it up a little bit, uh, just just until we get to a certain point. And for me, it's like if I'm teaching science, when do I have those conversations with those kids? So, and it's not like there's a there's 20 of me, there's 20 black dudes that are teaching these kids. Like, nah, I'm I'm one of two of their black teachers. You know what I'm saying? And I go into every day like, yo. Should I teach this kid science or should I teach these kids how to survive in this world? Because I know mm. what they're missing. So that's the only pressure that I feel, like legit. Like, yo, do we have to learn about cells or are we going to learn about how to stay out of a jail cell? Like, simple as that. And it's like, damn, like every day, man, I, I got my plans, but it's like, once the convo switches, it's like, yo, I got 15 minutes. Yo, let's talk about last summer what you was doing, like, you know what I'm saying? You stay away from this, stay away from that. Don't do this, don't do that. You could do this, stuff like that. So that's the pressure that I feel as an educator and a mentor. Yeah, I definitely see how, how that could be super tough. And that puts you in that position where you will never want to hear or see any of your students on the news. Never, In, oh, in your Lord. class, you know, God forbid, I hope that's never really happened so far, but yeah. that just shows, because, like, you, you're a part of their life. Literally. You know what I'm saying? They, at times, spend more time with you than they do Actual parents. parents. Well, I'm telling you, parents, well, you know how it is. My parents are working all day, all night, and then, yo, they in school, and they with you. Like, you are, you are that person that they're looking at. So, it's big. It's tough. It, it, it's tough. It's tough. I just try to stay, just be thankful that I'm there, and, you know, I try to do what I can, I try to do what I can in order to, to get them to understand as much as they can. As we wrap up with these last couple points, um, yeah. What do you, what are you giving your current students that Rayshawn needed as in, as you were in junior high school yourself? Um, 
I needed to see that next level. And like I said, I had a great eighth grade teacher. Um, he was a white, he's a, he's a white man though. Okay. Right? He's a great love, 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 love. And when I was that age, I never looked at white people like, yo, y'all are doing this in the world. Like I didn't know about, I feel like I didn't know about any of that. Mm-hmm. And I, I never had, <clears throat> had a black woman as my eighth grade teacher as well, but I never got into like, yo, you're black. So we have like black things in common. I never did that. But I think for my students, like I, like I mentioned before, I'm a young black man who I'm in that route. You know, I, I, as, as successful as I am, I'm still trying to be more successful, but they see me and they can see themselves. You know, like it's easy for the guys, of course, but even the females, like the women in the room, like, like, yo, this is a black dude. He grew up in the same area as I did. Like, yo, if he could do it, I could do it. And I want them to get that. Like, that's what I want. Like for them to be like, yo, he's smart, but he's also street smart. Like he knows how to, he knows what time, it's as simple as that. Yo, he knows what time it is. And when my kids see me now, they're like, yo, like, damn, Mr. Brown, like, I want them to be like, y'all can't even do that because Mr. Brown will be tight. Like, yeah. that's what I want them to say. Like, how and you felt with your high school coach? Literally, like, I want them, to, like, I even, my biggest issue is, like, they curse a lot, so I try to break that out of them. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they get really disrespectful really quick. They have a short, like, a, like a fuse. It's a small fuse. Yeah. And I tell them, like, as real as I can be, I'm like, listen, you can't, like, get yourself upset over simple stuff. And if you do get upset, you make a move and be confident and be confident with that move. And I want them to be like, yo, I can't even do that. Mr. Brown's going to start. If Mr. Brown saw that, he'd be blacking on me. Like, that's what I want because they don't always see that in their parents. They don't get the, you know, they'd be like, yeah, I curse in front of my mom. Like, she don't even care. That's why they doing it in front of you. Exactly. So I'm like, yo, when you see me, when you see a teacher, you need to identify. I need to be respectful because I'm in his, I'm in their presence. So. That's all that I, that's, the, if I can't do anything else, I want them to be like, not now, let me hold it down, because so-and-so, if he was here, he wouldn't even be, he wouldn't be rocking with that. Yeah, I think, like, have you ever been in it, when you say disrespectful, like, like, how do you really control that? Like, do they have to leave the classroom? Is it one of those where you don't want to make them feel like, they're getting kicked out because you know how that feels. So how do you, where's your judgment call on that situation? Um, so one of my first conversations, and I do this better now that I'm in my later years, but my first day when I go through the whole spill of me being black and how I mention that I'm from the hood and you know I'm from where you're from, all that stuff, I tell them like, listen, I got a few rules. And I tell them, SMD, I'm not even gonna say, I'm just leaving it at the yeah, SMD. That's crazy, yeah, that's crazy. If, I'm like, yo, if you ever feel like you're gonna tell me the SMD, I want you to get up and just leave. Take your walk, because that to me is the highest form of disrespect yeah. living now. Like, those are fighting words. People people die from those words, right? We, we hear stories about it all the time. We have friends that have said it, have slipped up, and and they in a hospital or so-and-so moms got shot and this and that. Like, and I tell them, like, listen, I'm a man first. Mm-hmm. 100% tell them like that. I'm a man first. Don't, I'm like, yo, don't get confused because I'm a teacher. 
I said, I'll let all this go before I let you disrespect me. <laughs> and they like, yo, it's funny because I be so serious. They be like, oh, sure. they be like, oh, he's, oh, he's dead ass. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, they got right. <laughs> They have to. They got to. They have to. Have to. Have so to. Have to. And, I, and I don't. And, and what I love about my school too is that they give me that autonomy and they give me that freedom to be like that with them. And I'm like, look, yo, listen, I love each and every one of y'all. Y'all are little bros, little sis to me. Y'all are my, you know, mentees, all that. But don't disrespect me. ever disrespect me in that sense. Don't curse at me. Don't do none of that. Because if we was on the street, I tell them straight up, if you was in the street and you said that to me, we would have to fight, right? Something would have to happen. You know, whether it be us getting into a physical altercation or some type of confrontation. But if we were on the street, Something never, get di- never get disrespected without retaliation. Like, in that sense, like, that's, that's how I'm living. So, and if I was your age, especially, we wouldn't even be on that. I wouldn't even let you get, I wouldn't even let you get the chance. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, how that goes. Um, so that's the disrespect. So when it comes to disrespect, I don't send them out to the dean. I, I might tell them to go take a walk, but I, what I do is I close the door and we have a talk. That's all we do. We just have a talk. And I ask them, I'm like, yo, I'm like, yo, are you angry at me right now? Like, I'm real, I'm real personal with it. I'm yeah. like, yo, are you upset with me right now? And they're like, yeah, well, well, why? And they, I'm like, yeah, let it out. I'm like, yo, anything you say is not going to hurt yeah. my feelings. I'm like, yo, I've been trained to disregard what you're going to say. So <laughs> just let it out. You know what I'm saying? In many ways than none, if you're, yeah. you're going to catch it. I'm like, yo, I'm trained, I'm trained to not respond. Yeah, yeah, I, I've, I've done that. <laughs> so they like, yo, you, and I'm like, yeah, like, because that's that's what time we on, and they like oh, like oh, uh, they need to like, like, I, they need to feel my that. bad. They gotta feel it. Yeah. Same thing you have to. Because if they don't, they're gonna try to walk over you. Because a kid, oh no, not try. They will. They will. Yeah, yeah. A student's best ability is to know who's food. Mm-hmm. They can, they can, they just have a sensor in their brain. Like oh, he's soft. Like, we just gonna run all over him. But once you get that through their mind. Like, I'm not sending you out to the dean. It's me and you. I'm like, yo, you gonna hit me? Hit me. Like, take that route, and then let's. Then we'll. When you after you hit me, or if you if you try, then just be prepared for what happens next. Whatever you take that how you want. Yeah. And they they're like, oh, like, oh, oh he's he serious. Like that. Yeah. Like, oh, he's oh he's serious. Like, oh, okay. So you know, you know, thankfully, obviously, students have understood, and I've never been put in that situation, but. You know, they, they'll push your buttons, and I'm, I'm all for it. You can push as hard as you want. Like, like I said, I've been trained to, to, to defuse this situation, and it's going to go my way all the time. Yeah, I think, I think what you said is real important because you understand the difference of being in their situation and showing right. them how the situation is supposed to go. And that's why the system needs you there. Right. You get what I'm saying? Because that's big. Yeah, that's big. I appreciate that. You know when you do that. You go to the right. dean's office, and, and the situation is not going to be handled. It's just going right. to happen again. You know, the dean may not, you know, sometimes you got to be in the situation to know how angry or, you know, what should happen. Because you send them to the dean, you can explain it to the dean, but you can't really use the aggression that, you, that was thrown at you. So, again, it's not always handled. Sometimes they'll have them you know, take a breath, but they don't understand why they, what they did was wrong. And I asked them, too, and I'm very personal, like I said. I'm like, yo, like, do you respect me? I asked them that. Like, do you respect me? And they'll be like, yeah, of course. I'm like, nah, because what you did was disrespect. Yeah. And I feel, I'm like, yo, I'm not feeling that. Like, 
I'm not really jacking that. And I'll and I'll be and I'll talk just like that. I'll say I'm not jacking that. And they be like, oh, like <laughs> he's yo, he's really not jacking it. Like, I'm like, nah, that's that's crazy. I'm not really feeling that. And they get that. It's not like I'm talking to you like now. Nah, we at this point, we on the street now. Like, I'm not jacking it. Because you done made me step outside the class, you done made me close the door. Right. Now we're gonna have this talk. There's a reason why I closed the door. So we can have mm-hmm. this conversation. You know, so I just I just have to say big salute to you, bro. Um, I don't know if anyone's been telling you, but we definitely appreciate what you're doing, and we definitely yeah, support you. I hope you're looking back in, in in the forefront of your mind and looking to the next with Sean Brown because we need yeah, somebody man. to come after you. I don't know if you're thinking about that, but that's something that, of course, of course. In my mind, yeah, you should definitely be looking to. Um, you know, appreciate you sitting down with me on the podcast, man. Yo, appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. When you hit me, I'm like, yo, let's do it. I'm like, yo, let's do it. I'm with it. I see what you're doing. Um, I think it's great. I think you're giving everybody a platform to, you know, and connect it with like basketball and sports in general. And I know that's right up your field. So I think this is a great platform for people to go out there and get what they need to get out. Cause you know, not every everybody has a story. You know what I'm saying? And and 100%. Legit, getting this out right now feels great because this is just reminding me of the things. You know like a reassurement, a, you know, reconfirmation of what I'm doing. I know it's important. And, you know, if, if you thought it was interesting enough to, to, to invite me on to the podcast, and I know, like, it's hitting home and, and a lot of people. So I definitely appreciate that. Yeah, no, no doubt. All right, Rob Bruin, Talk That Talk podcast, along my good brother, Sean Brown. Thank y'all for tuning in.